Well, welcome again, and thanks for sticking around for our Q&A time here with Pastor Pat. We just finished preaching from Exodus chapter 12, 1 through 13, and uh, several of you have sent in questions, and we're going to get to a couple of those, and maybe a few more of them throughout the next couple of days here as we, uh, as we attempt to answer some of those. So, Pastor, uh, obviously we're in this time of um, pseudo-quarantine, really, in the COVID-19 concerns, and uh, God is at work here. We've said that a number of times over the last several days, and He's at work not just at Sailorville, but around the world. Pastor, do you see God doing some special things um, uh, uniquely in God's people only, or is this a time when God is working in the lives of people that aren't part of His family? So believers and also unbelievers, what might He be focusing on here? That's a great question. Jason, I think he's doing both. I think he's working in both lives, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian. Uh, you know, Christians believe that God is sovereign. He's over all things. And that also means that he's working in all areas. He's not just working in Christians' lives. He's bringing others who he's chosen before the foundation of the world into his family. And he uses all kinds of means to do so. I really do think that this is uh, sort of a thing where I think God is is, is uh, stripping down our idols. I, I referred to this in the message I preached last week. We have our own gods. Some of you have told me, in fact, I've had people, I think you have too this last week, uh, uh, identify gods in their own lives. Yes. And that was a big, big deal to them. Yeah. Uh, and if nothing else, I think God is, is just demonstrating who's really in charge. Uh, in our own society, particularly in America, uh, we pride ourselves in being in charge. Right. We're in charge of our own finances. We're in charge of our health. We're in charge of our families. We're in charge of everything. Mm -hmm. And then God comes, swoops in through something like this, and he says, uh, you know, you know, hold on a minute. Yeah, we're, we're not everything we thought we were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't have all the answers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So for Christians, it's a good opportunity to have faith in the midst of fear and to rely on God who, who is in control, who is sovereign, and who does love. What about for those that might not know Jesus as their Savior? How, how could this be specifically designed for them? Well, and if that happens to be some of you that are listening, uh, th this is God's uh, signpost to you, so to speak. Uh, he's, he's getting your attention. As he's getting Christians' attention to come back to God or maybe identify areas of weaknesses in their lives. So he's trying to identify he, uh, the gospel, what we just mm -hmm. preached on pointing them to the Lamb of God, to the Lord Jesus. And that is our plead with you. We're pleading with you to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Uh, I know that some of you have probably been thinking about this, but you can't, it's hard to get away from this. And I know that some of you see this as a naturalistic thing. and It'll soon pass and you're not going to change your mind no matter what. But uh, Christians believe that uh, everything is of God, even this pandemic we're enduring. And he's just definitely trying to get their attention. Is this a good time for believers to talk to their neighbors, unbelieving friends, people that don't know Jesus as their Savior about Christ himself? Well, I think so, of course, and that's uh, under the understanding that, <laughs> that we have to obey the laws, too. So we can't, uh, we can't gather in, in groups of over 10, but absolutely, this is their opportunity. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have people all around you who are, just have great uncertainty. My wife and I were just in the home of uh, our neighbors the other day, very, very dear to us. And, uh, but you could see the worry in their eyes. Yeah. And it became a great opportunity to share the gospel. Yeah, so you mentioned real quick, we can't gather in groups of more than 10. Our governor, President Trump, has, uh, has given us those suggestions, really strong suggestions, in fact. What do you say to people that 
um, would say, well, you're just not meeting together because you're afraid or fearful. Are we fearful? Is that why we're not doing those things? Well, I think we are fearful. I mean, people are fearful of what's going on. People are worried of getting uh, the virus, and understandably so. And Christians are human beings. They fear, too. We shouldn't fear. We should fear God more than we fear men or a, or a, or a virus. But uh, the truth of the matter is we are also obedient. God's called us in Romans chapter 13, 1 Peter chapter 2, to be obedient to our governing authorities, unless it's a conscience matter, you know, whereby, you know, they're telling us to kill a baby or something like that, you know, or uh, something that we, or to steal or to do something that our conscience would not allow us to do. This is not a conscience matter, Jason. This is an obedience matter. Yeah. I think Christians shine when they obey their government. Yeah, so people that are saying, well, we're going to meet together anyway, we're going to still meet as public services and corporate, you know, corporate gatherings. So what do you say to them? This is a conscience issue. I would say that they're, they're being disobedient to God. Yeah. I would say that they, they are uh, violating the clear mandate of Scripture to come under those governing authorities. According to Romans 13, the government is, is given to us for our protection. Uh, you know, bless the good guys, you know, uh, punish the bad guys. Yep. And, uh, and to take, you know, it's, it's the government. So we have three pillars, you know, the family, the government, and the church yep. uh, in society. And we're not to ignore the government. The government's speaking. We have, to, we have to obey the government. It's a great opportunity, like you said, for the church to shine and to do what God has told us to do, and that's to love our neighbor. We have to uh, be characterized by, as people that love our neighbors. Okay, yes. so the quarantine uh, illustration that you gave during your message, really powerful. Hadn't thought about it like that before. But, you know, honestly, we don't like to be tested. We don't like to go through struggles. We don't like to be examined. Um, so what are, what are some uh, suggestions that you would give to people that are right now going through some struggles, whether that's because of this virus or, or things that happened before all this came out just several weeks ago? Well, I haven't talked to anybody who hasn't told me they have a lot more time on their hands right. than they didn't have, you know. So, so you have more time to read God's Word. You have more time to sit in meditation before the Lord. Positively, you have, you have more time with your family, and some of you are already experiencing that. Take advantage of all of that. But uh, to the question, um, you know, uh, Hebrews 12, 6 says, uh, the, Whom the Lord loves, He chastens, and scourges every son whom He receives. We have to believe that. We have to believe that this isn't a mistake. God's not yeah. up there in heaven going, oh, my goodness, I didn't see that coming. Right, right. Uh, so, we, so understand that there's purpose. I often tell people that just because God doesn't explain the reason that he's doing something doesn't mean that there isn't one. You just don't know it. But I do think it's incumbent upon us as followers of Jesus to determine before the Lord whether or not there actually is a reason. Why are you being convicted by this certain thing in your life. And, and then so I would say, look at those areas, ask God to examine you, uh, sit quietly before him, and then repent of those areas that need to be turned from or just move toward the things that God wants you to do and, and, and be thankful. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, we, we don't want to be those who are constantly murmuring and complaining against the government, against why we're not doing this, why this is, this is an excessive, this is an overreach. That's, that shouldn't be Christians. We should be just the opposite of that. Right, right. And as you mentioned last week, the, the plagues that God leveled against Egypt were really um, attacking specific small g gods. Yeah, yeah. And, and as believers, uh, maybe God is allowing us to see some things that we have put on the throne of our lives instead of him. 
And God is sort of leveling our, our idols, our small g gods, um, as he's testing us. Yeah, even in the message that you yeah. just heard, Jason, where I, at the very beginning, my introduction was, I, I think I asked the question, I said, uh, I said, no matter what's happened, you have to wonder about those things that you thought were big decisions that right. you're facing. Right. They might not be so big right now, uh, just because of the emphasis being in the wrong place. Yeah, so you mentioned the Passover. Of course, that's the series that we're in. Um, talk a little bit about how Jewish people uh, right now, practicing Jews, actually still celebrate the Seder or the Passover uh, experience. Well, that's actually how they do it. I'm going to get into it a little bit more next week, but they do it through the Seder. There is a bone there. There's a roasted uh, uh, lamb's shank there, and uh, that, that takes us to, that, that depicts what took place down there in Egypt. The whole thing is really to be, as I mentioned earlier, sort of a, a very vivid uh, it's hit all the sensories, you know, that we have eyes, your ears, your, your, your smells, your taste. I mean, the Jews are really good at that. And, and, and they, they've, they, they've done it magnificently through the Seder. There's even a place in the Seder where, you know, they invite Elijah and the little children go and they open the door. It's really cool stuff. Yeah. And as I said, but they don't, they don't kill lambs anymore. Um, what about the blood on the doorpost? They're not doing that either. Uh, uh, this is kind of, it's sort of replaced with the whole Seder, which isn't really in the Bible, but they're taking the elements from the original Passover, putting it into a meal, it sort of replaces that whole thing. Yeah, and you'll get into this a little bit later a in the series, but uh, of course it's a, it's a family experience, and so like a lot of the Bible, it's designed for parents, for adults, for mentors to go through with others, and here's the elements that are very, very experiential, yeah. and they're all made to point to the Lamb, the Messiah, Christ, the, the suffering servant, right? Yeah, and Jason, I'd put it back at you here, because you are our pastor over... Uh, over a thousand people we have that are meeting in groups. Uh, we wish everybody was in those groups, but that's a good chunk of our people. And uh, there's a lot of togetherness going on there. This was a big deal to me. I don't know if this resonated with you as I went through the message, you know, on, on they all were to do this together. They were in their separate homes. Yeah. But if you remember, they were inviting others, smaller groups into their homes. And uh, if, you know, there's, you know, the, the text says if somebody's, you know, doesn't have enough, you brought them in. The idea was to consume that lamb yep. together. They yep. killed it together. They ate it together. A lot of togetherness, and it's not much different today, is it? No, it shouldn't be much different today. In fact, even though we're quarantined or pseudo-isolated right now, we've got families or roommates or extended families or people even inviting others into their home to experience that kind of community. Even right now, people watching, listening from home together in groups that they might not have usually gathered together with. And I think it's a great reminder of that that community. What are some of the things that Sailorville Church is doing to bring that togetherness when we can't really be together? Yeah, I think, I think a huge part of that is through our cell groups and especially the community that's um, created through our cell group leaders and co-leaders. And we've got stories coming in every single day about groups that are still uh, experiencing what we call life change together, even though they can't physically be together with their whole group at a yeah. time. Some, some of them are really making some serious, deep relationships and using this opportunity to, uh, to really dig deeper into those intimate relationships. And, and we think that's going to be part of what God... Um, brings out of this is that um, uh, that idea that we really do need each other probably more than we originally thought that we would. Right. You know, we celebrate that here when we are all together gathered in something that we call communion. Uh, other, other traditions call it the Eucharist. You mentioned John chapter 6, 53, 4, and 5. 
Um, some others would say that that's a proof text or that that would be best explained by um, the elements in communion actually being Christ's body and his blood. When he says, consume me or eat me or take all of me, how do you explain that in, in some of our modern Bible versions? Is it, when we take communion, Christ's actual body and blood, or is it a symbol? Yeah, you're right. There are different traditions out there, Jason, and uh, the Roman Catholic tradition believes in transubstantiation, which is the, the elements actually change into the literal body and blood of Jesus. Uh, the Lutheran tradition uh, has, uh, they are, is consubstantiation. Now, if you're a Lutheran out there, you're going to go, oh, no, we don't believe in that anymore. We believe in a real presence, but it's kind of just a, a switch. They, they, they would say that the elements don't change, but in and around and under or around uh, uh, is the presence. And then you have the, uh, the more symbolic version, which is where we are, except I have kind of a, a in-between, and I'll, 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 I'll talk about it briefly, Two things, I'll, I'll, the text itself. Yeah. Whenever, you know, they say a text out of context is a pretext. Right. Right. And so, so when you just, when somebody lifts out John chapter 6, verses 54 through 58, and they just lift it out there, and he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has everlasting life, you're taking something out of his context. If you follow the life of Jesus, you see him constantly contrasting the physical and the spiritual. Even with the woman at the well, remember, he, yep. you know, he said, whoever drinks this water will never thirst. Well, hey, yeah, give me some more of that. I need more of that water. You know? And in this context, he's he says the same thing. He said, give us this bread that we won't hunger anymore. So the Jews had this, they had this default toward seeing everything as physical. And Jesus was always turning it on its head. And this is no different. If you follow the passage of Scripture in John chapter 6, you see the huge emphasis on belief. So eating and drinking is synonymous in the passage to uh, belief. In fact, uh, let me look at, I'm, I'm jumping in here. I should have done this, but he says at the end, this is the bread in verse 58. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. He's, yeah. It's not physical bread. He calls it an illustration, a symbol right there. Exactly. He really is. Now, now that said, um, uh, I, I struggle a little bit by saying we only believe the elements at the Lord's table are symbolic. Mm -hmm. So some people think, well, you don't really care, you know, it's not that precious to you. And I say, no, they're, I say they're symbolic, but they're not merely symbolic. Yeah. Uh, they symbolize the very life, the very death, and the very, you know, the life and the suffering and, and, and death of Jesus. That makes the time of the Lord's table holy and precious. Yeah. So just because we don't believe they turn into the actual elements or that the, there's a real presence of Jesus making that, you know, making, you know, the idea is I got to have those. You know what you got to have? You got to have Jesus. That's what you got to have. And you take him by faith. And then when you celebrate the Lord's table, it's a very precious and a very holy time because albeit symbolic, they symbolize the perfect life and the sacrificial death of Jesus. Yeah, great. Okay, speaking of symbols, you talked about the blood on the doorposts. Um, and you use the illustration of, uh, are, are, we, are our lives covered by that blood or is it just a cheap paint job, yeah. right? We have a question that just came in about somebody that just painted their house. Great illustration, so they're right there with us. Um, what does that look like, the difference? Someone that's really taken on and consumed all of Jesus, loved the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, covered their lives by the blood of Christ, yeah. and on the other hand, just covered their life with a cheap paint job. Yeah. What's the difference? 
I think that I think it's the proofs in the pudding. James told us, you know, uh, faith without works is dead being alone. If you have a genuine relationship with Jesus, it's going to show. Just like we said in the passage, you know, before before the Passover, they couldn't leave Egypt. After the Passover, they couldn't stay in Egypt. Right. And when you're saved, when you're truly saved, when the blood of Christ is applied to your home, it's going to take evidence. It, because if anyone's in Christ, they're a New creation, new, new creation, yeah, new creature. New yeah. creature. Old things are passed away. You've left Egypt. Yeah. All things become new. What do you say to the person right now that's struggling with something that, um, that was part of their life before they knew Christ and is tempted right now to go back to Egypt, so to speak, or to, uh, just, to just to cover their life with sort of a cheap paint job of Christianity? Encourage, uh, encourage people like that yeah, this Yeah, that's morning. a great question, Jason. And then I go back to the message. I mean, they, remember, the lamb had to be consumed. Mm. That's a powerful thing to me. And if you were to say, what resonated most with you? That really did with me. I mean, I go back to John chapter 6. You didn't just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You became his child. You're, you're a son of the living God. You need to do what Jesus said in John chapter 15. Abide in me. Remain under me. Stay with me. Go, go back to him. Don't go back to Egypt. The Jews would want to do that, as we would yeah. see later on. Yeah. And we do have that fleshly tendency. We're not here to condemn you, but it, the, the answer is simple. Go back to your faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. One more question, and then maybe close uh, with a final word. Someone asked, can, can we just clarify, are, are we saying that if you've been covered by the blood of the Lamb, if you're a Christian, if you're a true believer, does that guarantee that you'll be safe during this coronavirus concern? No. Uh, no, it guarantees that you'll be safe when you die. Yeah. Uh, so the coronavirus can take you out. You don't want that to happen. Don't be foolish, but you'll be safe when you die. And that's the thing that we're really seriously, as much as we need to do everything we can during this time to be safe, to be obedient, yeah. uh, we don't have guarantees in this life. That's right. Our guarantees are for the next so yeah. there. Thank you so much. And yeah. thank you, friends, for sending in your questions, for interacting and engaging with us. And uh, keep doing that, actually. Keep sending those questions to us. We'd love to get to some of those this week and in the following weeks as well. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning in worship. Together, Pastor, would you close us, please? Yeah. God, thanks for this time we could be together, both in song, in the word, exposited, and even in this Q&A. We trust and we believe, Lord, you'll do something special through this, and we're asking you to do that. Bless these people who've tuned in. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.